Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Those who are watching online, it just went to Facebook. There's no way they were just waiting on our page, waiting for it to go live. Uh, but if you're watching this in the future, thank you for uh, joining us. My name's Chris, pronouns he, him. And thank you for coming all the way to come to the hippest, coolest, funnest, right, church in town? Right? <laughs> She's like, don't make eye contact with the pastor. Um, if you want to find out more about who you are, who we <laughs> Who you are, look in the mirror. If you want to know who we are, uh, you can go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Um, we have, sadly, no worship today because of the two people who are willing to stand in front of strangers and sing, one got sick and the other one is at a cabin. <laughs> so um, today is going to be a shorter service, um, which, if you're watching online, is everyone's favorite words, right? Uh, um, and we're not doing the five-minute coffee break because we did that like three weeks ago when Nikki got sick, and I talked for like three seconds, and then we got a coffee break for five minutes. It just didn't make sense. So, uh, but Dave, thanks for the making the coffee. Um, we do have a couple of announcements. First is that we started something called uh, Neighborhood Good. And what Neighborhood Good is, um, is a separate fund that we are um, inviting people to give to that we can use for com- what we call compassion calls. Uh, with the pandemic, people's uh, need for um, food, and honestly, the biggest need so far has been places for um, women who are victims of domestic abuse to have a place to stay as they transition to other housing, um, which is, I think, one of the holiest things we can do as a church. And there's a lot of other nonprofits that can help, but can only help so much. And there's like that gap of where they just need a little bit more. Um, and so we started this fund called Neighborhood Good if you want to contribute to that. In our previous church, we had something called, called it the poor box, where people every day could throw a buck in if they wanted. Uh, hi, Kaya. And, um, and so we thought this is a way we could practically do some good in our neighborhoods, in our communities. So you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org and go to the giving, click, and it'll say Neighborhood Good. Or if you uh, write out a check, because you have a checkbook still, you can just put Neighborhood Good on it. Um, as well. And then, uh, last Sunday, you were there, right, at the, at the building? What, what are your thoughts about the building? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you didn't say you hated it, because that would have been awkward. <laughs> like, no. Unsubscribe. Not a fan. Uh, we are in the process of, uh, not contemplation. We're contemplating, yeah. We're contemplating and evaluating if we're going to take over this uh, church. Westminster Presbyterian um, is offering their building, and even I found out all the people after their service wanted to stay. So that is, it's like 12 to 15 people who are in their um, later years of life, and they are amazing, amazing people. And so we did a service, and it was uh, fun. Um, the sewer backed up in the middle of the service, and my dad, my, I said, hey, Dad, he goes, oh, I missed your message. I was downstairs cleaning up all the sewage. I'm like, oh, man, I love you, Dad. That's, that's great. Um, but the, the building is like, 
Janine, you were there, right? Yeah, it smelled like a church, right? Yeah, when you walk in here, it does not smell like a church. And I actually li- kind of like that smell. It actually, it has like choir robes right when you walk in, right? My dad wanted to wear it. And um, it has like an entryway. So like if you're like a little bit late for church, you don't have to walk into church. <laughs> you can just like walk into a space. Um, and so we're, um, we're really excited. If you want to come check out the building um, and dream a little bit of what this space can be, we are doing it again on June 2nd and June 5th, which is a Thursday night and a Sunday late afternoon. And we want to get as many people as possible um, to come and just check out the building and give their thoughts. We are, since we're in Cloquet, Cloquet is still going to be here. So we're not going to, like, shut down Cloquet and then everyone make everyone go to Duluth because those people who live in Cloquet or the area are big fans of driving. You're, like, two minutes away. Yeah, so there's some benefit. And that's, like, really our whole... Um, vision of neighborhood from the beginning was what if we could actually have a group of people who live in the neighborhood who go to the same B&B market who's, who are at the same volleyball game, same schools, because there's something about being in your neighborhoods that makes it um, really rich. So if you have not been able to check it out, uh, June 2nd and June 5th. Um, all right. So obviously with everything that's been going on, um, you probably know what we're going to be talking about, right? And if we said... Uh, we play this game, I said one, two, three, yell out what you think we're going to be talking about, right? We'd all, one, two, three, we'd all say, take the Lord's name in vain, right? Obviously, that's prompting to talk about taking the Lord's name in vain. And um, I love, I'm a big fan of the Ten Commandments. And it's very interesting because um, we put them, we used to have them in, in the courtroom, and like if you look through the window in front of the fire hall, they're sitting right there, and people are like, these are, this is what we should live by. And really, the Ten Commandments are all the things not to do, right? It's like, don't do these things, which for a lot of people, that religious toxicity, right, is usually informed by just living a life of telling everyone, no, you don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But the Ten Commandments is still incredibly inspiring because Instead of putting the energy of, like, what should we do, right, of we get really defined if you can only do this, the, the Hebrew people, are, or, or God, um, said, well, we're going to put the en- emphasis on what not to do, which inevitably leads to this wildness of what you can do, this, like, ever-expansive horizon of what you can be. So, like, if it's, uh, hey, just don't kill people, that's, that's a big one, right? Don't kill people. Well, the inverse of that then is, if we're going to define what not to do, well, then what does it look like to really love my neighbor as I love myself? And from generation to generation, from century to century, that's going to continue to evolve what it looks like to love and engage people, which I love that freedom and I love that wildness. Um, It's like there's this undercurrent of the Ten Commandments that just opens up to this whole new way of really being human. Um, And one in there is taking the Lord's name in vain. And if you were, like, a good evangelical, charismatic Pentecostal, like I was, taking the Lord's name in vain was saying the name God, sassy, right? If you, if you, if you said God with a little bit of attitude, then like, oh, you can't do that. Uh, or taking the Lord's name in vain of saying um, God and then, like, darn it or dang it or some other, right? And I remember my friend Steve saying, Chris, you are compromising your relationship with Jesus every time you say God, and I'm like, that is really intense, Steve, but thank you, right? And like, lived in this place of, like, fear. Now, it has nothing to do with that. A, 
what we call God is not God's name. When you call God, we put God up there because you can't name something that can never be fully named, right? We can say uh, chair, and you guys can all visualize, oh, yeah, that's a chair. If you're walking around the street and you saw a chair, you're like, that's a chair. I know it's a chair. If someone said, do you know Chris Sauter? And you'd say, I get lost in his dreamy eyes, right? That's, we can all picture, we can all picture Chris. But if you say God, right now, we're going to have millions of different thoughts and experiences and pictures and feelings and joy and grief and uncertainty and all those feelings are going to be coming at once. So how do you name that? So we say God, but there's like uh, a lot of names for God, Jehovah Jireh, right? And it's all by people who had this experience with God in that moment, and so they put that name on God because uh, that's a God who sees me, right? Hagar, she names God as a God who sees me. So taking the Lord's name in vain just can't be, oh, you said God with a, a, a word, right? So what does it mean? Taking the Lord's name in vain is putting God's name on something that should never, God's name should never be on. It's using the, the legacy and the, the, the breadth and the width of what the kingdom of God is or who Jesus is and slapping on things that just, it, it's never meant to hang on that door. For example, uh, I, I guess I should probably ask my wife if I could say this story. <laughs> She's not here. Um, we were taught as uh, we had a kid when we were 23, 24. Man, we were young. And as evangelicals, we were told and we were taught, and we read books by prominent spiritual leaders that you are to spank your child. Because in the Bible it says, spare the rod, spare the child, right? And um, I listened to uh, all these teachers talking about how we have to teach kids how to fear the Lord because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord right? And um, so if you don't do that, if they don't, you don't teach your kids how to fear you or respect you, how are they going to learn how to have the fear of God, which then would lead them to like, I don't know, prison or hell. And there's entire books are written on this, all about this is how you get your kid to follow Jesus. And we use the word spank because there's, that is a less emotionally loaded word than physically assaulting your kid, right? If you said, hey, you know what? The Bible wants you to do, a, a wise biblical person would physically assault a three-year-old. You'd be like, whoa, settle down there, right? Let's get back to just reading Paul. Let's get off this, right? And it's true. And Nikki and I did it for a little bit because we thought this is a holy thing. We're doing this in the name of God, and we were taking the Lord's name in vain. Does that make sense? And we do, we do things um, historically and even today individually and even as systems of where of of clearly right and even in the old testament the story of genocide and saying oh god of course god wants to come and kill an entire demographic of people well we'd probably say yeah maybe that wasn't god maybe that might be taking the lord's name in vain and the reason i bring this up is we had another school shooting right we had a young white man target um, uh, a black community because of this replacement theory that he heard. There is in Southern California, someone came into a, a church and shot it up, right? And when you hear that news, what do most people say? Oh, God. And that is, that is a very healthy response. That is a very good response because what you're saying is, 
I, I, I don't know how to make sense of this. I, 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 this is devastating. This is, this is horrible. This is dark. This is evil. Oh, God. And we say it as a prayer of saying there has to be something bigger going on than all this darkness that's happening, right? And then if you're like me, I'm, I feel and I start thinking about those, those kids and their families and all the victims who got shot but didn't die and how they're going to have to move through this life for the rest of their life. And I'm like, God, will you have mercy on them? God, will you, will you help them? And, and then I think about my school where my kids to go, right? I, I did think about Jamie and working in school. I thought about Greg, a principal at my school. And all the tension and all the anxiety you have to, like, we've normalized, Right? We've just normalized. It's like, oh, that sucks. So we say, oh, God. And then you don't always know what to do, so we, we, we pray. And I believe in the power of prayer. I absolutely do. But when we say, God, I pray that you would you know, help stop this gun violence. God, I pray that this would not happen in my school. And that's where it ends. And we're taking the Lord's name in vain. Because... Like what, what does James say? James in chapter two says, um, "If you you are your brother walks up to you and you can see that he has no jacket and he is visibly hungry, and you say, "Hey, brother, peace in Christ." Is that spirit of the Lord inside of you? I know it is. Big fan of that spirit. All right, God bless you, man. And you walk away and you don't give him your coat and you don't give him a meal, then your faith is dead. Because faith without works is dead. James has a way of, like, getting right to things. And we, we know this, right? But what happens? I'll, I'll share from me. I'm exhausted, right? I'm exhausted of thinking, how do I talk to our church about this again? How do I talk to my 11-year-old who already has anxiety? How do I talk to her about and I feel horrible. I didn't. I didn't tell her before she went to school because I'm like, she's going she's gonna to cripple. Um, how do I, like, even somewhat have a presence on social media talking about this? Because I already know if I say this, this group of people are going to come after me, right? And if I don't say anything, well, then I'm going to have these group of friends saying, what are you doing, Chris? And it's exhausting. Like, even Nikki, the other day, she said, I, I wish I could just shake off all the stuff I'm feeling. And I'm like, yeah, you, you can't just shake off national trauma. That's not something that just slides around your back. Like, what is, our brains are not meant to process this heavy of things over and over and over. And again, we just like, I guess this is what we do. And in that space of being exhausted, and it's like, well, I'm not a senator. <laughs> and I don't have some book deal. I, I don't have a following of like three million people. I'm just some dude in a weird shirt, right? So it's like, well, I can't make any change. So then what do we do? For me, I go back and I sit on my hands. I say, well, God, I pray that you would like, you know, help those victims. I go back to prayer, right? It's out of that exhaustion. It's out of that tension of what might happen that just leads us back to middle of the road. Leads us back to, I guess this is the best it can be. Like, I'm even, I'm even, like, I feel even guilty because I'm like, well, God, thank you that it wasn't at my school, right? It's like, oh, 
that's someone's school, right? That's someone's school. That's someone's family. That's someone's niece. That's someone's nephew. So here's what I'm bringing to the table today. I, I want to bring you some hope. And I, I wrote this message mainly for me, <laughs> selfishly, right, uh, of like, I don't want to sit on my hands. I don't want to just, I don't want to just say, oh, God, be with those people and then go back to my, my everyday life. Um, and I, I don't know if any, anyone else feels this. There's times where I'm like, if we're going to do something, we have to do it like a billion times loud, Right? And, and, and then I feel like if I don't do it as, like, the best level, then I feel this sense of shame. And even that keeps me from even engaging at times. And so I, what, uh, what I have here is a couple tips of things that we can collectively do to actually see some sort of transformation. Oh, I was supposed to say this. The thing I love about Neighborhood Church is that we, I have opinions, I have thoughts, I have beliefs. That is not the church's opinions, thoughts, and beliefs, right? We are the church. So you might, Dave and I might disagree on whatever the end goal is, right? Or no, I would say we agree it may on the end goal, but how we get there, what policies and what we think politically and, and how we want to move those things over here, we might have differences of opinion, and I'm totally fine with that. So what I'm talking about today, right, is what the kind of change I want to see is how do we, I don't know, keep kids safe in schools, I think all of us would be pro-kids being alive in a school. And how we might come to agree to get there might look different. But the common is that there's some sort of love that's moving us. So um, here's tip number one, is be kind to your body. And this was going to be my whole message because it's Memorial Day and it's not nice out, but I had this idea it was going to be bright and sunny and like, summer we have these thoughts about our bodies and we have this like pressure of like there's only 12 weekends and it has to be like best weekend ever so how can we use our bodies on purpose and with purpose so we get to labor day we look back and say oh the five things i wanted to use my body for right um i did it or i didn't do it and um i think it's really important and whatever kind of transformation we want to see in our neighborhoods, whatever kind of things we want to see happen in our schools or our workplaces or in our families or in our body, the only way we can do that is if we're willing to, like, be aware of what our body is, right? We celebrate work till you're dead, right? That's a chant that I say to myself, sarcastic, work till I'm dead, work till I'm dead, right? Um, because it gets results. And so we'll blow past our boundaries with our bodies. We'll blow past our boundaries with our friends or with our boss or with our clients because we think, well, this is what healthy people do. And if we want to see really any kind of change, we need our bodies to be good. We need our minds to be sound. We need our souls to be rested, right? And, uh, yeah. So, like, be aware of your body. Be aware of your breath. Be aware of your anxiety and your stress. If that means you have to actually, like, put your phone down for, like, an hour or a week, right, then put it down for a week. Find out what triggers your anxiety or triggers your stress, um, and then find new ways of finding peace and rest. So that's number one. Because whatever we want to be, we can't do it exhausted. Number two is uh, we have to be peacemakers which is the least sexy statement in the entire world, right? <laughs> because the idea of moving away of peace, you're like, yeah, we can, 
but what if we just got stronger, right? What if we just beat more people up? Like the whole idea of like, let's give more, even more guns will solve the problem to guns, right? Just guns everywhere, and then we'll finally be safe. And this is a very normal thing because when a country bombs another country, what does that country do? Get up and say, hey, we're peacemakers, and so we just accept this bombing. No, they get bigger bombs, and they send bombs over there, and those people get bigger bombs, and then, yeah, and there's, there's bombs that are happening, and then at whenever the last bomb drops, and we say, victory accomplished, there's just generations and generations of people who are now thinking, I have to make a bigger bomb, because w- w- we can't lose. Violence just brings more violence. And so to be a peacemaker means we have to show up and be aware of how we use our body, how we use our words, how we use social media, how we use our intellect. And this is the thing that does not happen by accident, right? does not happen by accident. If you have ever had a teenager and finally they said just that one word and whatever inside of you is now this monster, like, whoa, no one talks to me that way, young lady. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's my dad, (laughs) right? It's like being aware of what triggers that violence. And and, and being a, a peacemaker means that we're putting ourselves in places where violence might be happening. It's really easy to keep the peace as you're going for a walk in Jay Cook. A little bit hard to keep a peace when there's this whole toxic thing happening on your social media page, right? And comments after comments, and you're like, how do you be a peacemaker? But I firmly believe the only way we're going to see transformation of any kind, whatever the end goal is, has to be in the way of peace. Because maybe we could learn something from Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, I don't know, Jesus, you know, that, that whole thing. And when we move in that way, we take care of our bodies, we're aware, and we show up with peace in mind, well, that helps us a third one. You have to get clear of what it is that you really want, right? What do you, wh- who do you want Chris to be in the future? What, what do I want my school or my neighborhood or, or my business or my, my body or my family, whatever it is, like getting clear of what it is that I want. And it's, sometimes it's hard to get clear. But once you get clear, Right? And you work through of like, what do I want my kid's school to look like? Right? Then you had, everyone can dream that. We're all big fans of the dream. But once you get cleared, you actually have to do it. And that's where the wrestling match happens. That's where the violence comes. Because if you get clear of what you want to do and you actually tell someone, like if you said, hey, I want to read a book a month, and you're like, awesome, or I want to run 17 miles. And you get that out there. You got clear of what it is you want to do. Well, then your best friend's going to say, hey, it's the 20th. Did you finish that book? And you're like, why are you so violent towards me right now? <laughs> right? Because once you get clear, there's consequences. Once you, you, you put that out there of this is who I want to be or this is what I'm for or this is what I believe or this is what I'm moving towards, then people can hold you accountable. And that's why we don't tell anyone anything. <laughs> right? That's why we're reluctant. I was just talking to my friends last night. That's why we're, we're reluctant to speak up on some of these political issues, right? And we say, well, we don't want to be political in a time like this. You know who gets to say that? Like, the people whose lives were impacted directly. Like, it didn't happen at our school. We get to say, let's not be political. Down in Texas, I imagine those families are all of a sudden 
having a lot of political conversations, right? Because they didn't get to choose. They did not get to choose when they have that conversation. Some 18-year-old took out a line of credit, had access to guns and ammo, and he chose. We have to get clear of what it is that we really want. Kathy Herms, who spoke a couple weeks ago about trans and queer students. Do you guys remember that? For those of you here, right? She had a line in there. Um, I don't remember exactly how she said it, but she goes, adults will choose their own comfort over the safety of kids. And maybe it's about time that we give up our comfort for the safety of kids. And, and the reason we do that is because when we don't get clear on anything, when we don't speak out or we don't engage of what we really want, we're choosing our comfort. We're choosing, if I say that, if I publish that, or if I um, put that out there, you know what Uncle Gary at Thanksgiving is going to say to you. You know who is going to come at you on social media. You know at work if you speak up of who's going to come after you. I, just the other day, had some <laughs> I wasn't planning on saying this. I had someone, I, one of my friends said, uh, use like a male pronoun for God. And I said, yeah, isn't she amazing? Right? Uh, just as a way of saying, like, let's have a bigger way of God. Just a bigger way of thinking. And some guy who I went to Bible college, just Bible college with, said, I hope you repent because you're going to hell. I'm like, well, that escalated pretty quickly. Yeah, and it helps I don't believe in it. So <laughs> I got you, guy. So um, uh, because I got clear on something, people come, can come after me. And we don't like that because we don't like feeling bad. But maybe there's a time of we can take that blanket of comfort off us as adults just for a moment. And we can start like maybe giving it to some people who are in need of some safety and some comfort. Because I'm willing for people to say I'm going to hell. I'm willing for people to come after me. I'm willing for Uncle Gary. I don't have Uncle Gary, but Uncle Gary, right? For him to come at me and have this conversation at Thanksgiving. I'm willing to do that because at some point, like we're not solving gun violence by 2 p.m. today, right? But at some point, I want comfort for not just my kids, but for the next generation. Indigenous people have this, I th this idea of seven generations. Decisions we're making now, we want it to impact for seven generations away, right? So like taking care of the earth and um, uh, access to healthcare, all these things are, they're not just thinking about us, they're thinking about the future. That's what I'm thinking of. How can we make decisions now and get clear, take the comfort off, so that seven generations, a kid can show up at school and say, not only am I safe, I'm flourishing. Because right now, that's not always the case. Getting clear. So take care of your body, peacemakers, um, get clear, and then um, find the helpers. Find the helpers. That's what Mr. Rogers used to say. If you're ever in question, you're ever in need, look for the helpers. And the helpers are like people who collectively can do something, right? So it might be at work. Uh, one of my pet peeves is that's what she said jokes, right? Just cannot stand them. Um, and it might be getting a group of people together and saying, hey, we're going to end this, like, sexualizing women as a joke um, in the workforce. And it might be three of you going to HR, coming with a plan. It might be a circle of friends finally having that conversation about being an ally. 
It might be organizing an event down at the city hall. It might be contacting your co county commissioner, contacting um, who's our, our uh, senator, not our senator, um, Pete Stauber, right? I left a voice message for Pete Stauber that I'm never going to call back, and that's fine, right? But we, we have to not just do it alone. And it's, it feels at times that the only option we have is to do it alone. If we think, well, no one else is going to listen to me, then I'm just not going to do nothing. In my journey of any kind of change, especially when it came to um, how, can, how can we be, how can I be a more inclusive person, I finally just started getting honest and talking to people. What I found out is my entire circle of friends all had the same questions. And I'm like, how come we've never talked, even Nikki and I, for 15 years, never talked about it. And it's like, yeah, you just don't bring that stuff up. Why? I don't want to get kicked out of the group. As if what we're passionate about, what we're clear about, might lead us to exclusion, tells you about what you think <laughs> being honest and clear will really lead to. So find, find the helpers. And lastly, is um, love always wins. It always, always wins. And the reason I end with it is because there's times where I'm like, this, this whole like love thing, it sounds like a, like a real ending to a, a cheesy ending to a really bad movie. And remember, kids, love wins! Yeah! Right? But it's true. I believe that love is just not this emotion. I believe that love is at the, the center, at the core of every, every cell or every atom in this entire universe. And it's what connects us. And if that is true, then I want to move in a place of love so we can elevate beyond violence. We can elevate beyond this evil in this world. And when I move in love, it's going to look different. Because love can be angry. Love can scream into the universe. Love can um, take a nap. Love can call a friend. And love can maybe hug a kid. And where's the line between well, where, when are you moving love and when are you moving in the ego? Or, yeah, it's a great question. That's a question to sit with for, for a little while. Yes, thank you. So, I believe in what we do. And I'm with you in feeling exhausted and feeling, I don't know, scared. And, like, I also have a, a sense of cynicism as well. I'm just like... Yeah, how many times have we had the same conversation? But I, 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 I won't let it win because I believe that love always wins. So let's pray. And then we can, we can move on. All right. So God, we love you. And I thank you that this is not some pipe dream. And it, it, honestly, even at times, it, it, it does. Like, it, what we do and what we say and what we think and what we believe and what we cry about and what we fight for, does it even matter? And, and today, I, I, I believe that it does. So I pray for us who feel exhausted. I pray for those of us who feel cynical. I pray for us who feel um, like, like our hands hurt from sitting on them so much, but we just don't know what else to do. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd come. And that you would help move our eyes from not making eye contact, not disrupting, to move and begin to see the people who maybe might need a little comfort. 
begin to see uh, the, the people who have been pushed to the margins. And that we can, we can be the hands and feet of God. And we can extend love. And we can be peacemakers. So God, I pray you use us. And I do, I do pray for the family, all the families and friends and neighbors who have been influenced and impacted by this horrible event. And I do believe that it's not just their kids, it's our kids. Because if it can happen there, it can happen here. So help move us in a place of justice, mercy, and wisdom. And we love you. Amen. Thank you for coming, everyone. Thank you for everyone who's watching online as well.